Spirit of 2016 podcast, Kazakhstan 1, Northern Ireland 0. Andy Bell joined by Ben Harshaw, Stuart Cherry and Dave Dunning. And first assessment to you, Dave. I mean, the quality of the squad's not very good. We know that. We've known that for quite a while. Um, and I think you're going to disagree with me in this, but I still actually was quite encouraged by the style of play, the fact there was a plan in place. And, you know, Michael O'Neill can't pick better footballers. He's got the bullets available to him. And at the very minimum, we ask for for an attacking plan. We ask for positive football. Um and I think we do try and do that. It's a, it's a wonder goal which wins the game for them. I don't think they deserve to win the game. But on the face of it, it's still an embarrassing result. It's not very good, is it? Just generally, you know, all over the park. I don't think it's very good. Um, I think at one point, Johnny Evans goes to play the ball up the line. Nobody comes to feet for him. And he just, he's just looking around going, what's happening here? You know, just a distinct lack of quality around him. And, you know, I think the expression on his face at that point kind of sums up how I'm feeling about everything right now. Yes, it's better. We look more structured. But we've shipped five goals in two games. And we probably get one chance tonight in the Washington one. That he kind of spins on. Was him again, the McManaman one first half as well. This would have been a bit of a scrappy goal, but but yeah, but you know, we're not really creating chances from open play. Our set pieces continue to be woeful. Um and yeah, I honestly I question some of the substitutions as well. To be honest, I think you can say we're playing well, Andy, but if I'm being if I'm being critical, I think first half we're really one-dimensional because everything's down the right hand side of McMenamin. It's the only real outlet, he's the only real threat. Half time comes and goes, and we're sent out to the second half with our most creative, most dangerous player benched. And who comes on? Yes, kudos. Come on, Thompson comes on at half time. To Paul, Paul, Paul Smith at half time. Paul Smith, who actually does, who does okay, I think. To be, to be okay. no. he, he, he hits the byline across the ball to one of our strikers that don't score goals. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of it. So yeah, I get there's loads of caveats around injury, tough place to go. That is their first win at home since they kind of stunned Denmark in the first game, I think, as well. So yeah, like there's not a lot of there's not a lot of bright sparks there. I don't think I think Jay Charles is a really good game. Um, just love his love how mobile he is in the middle of the park. He can just turn on a sixpence. He's really dynamic in there, but there's just too many gaps quality-wise around that squad at the minute. And yes, the injuries have obviously a significant impact there, but we're just no real threat going forward. And we seem also incapable of keeping a clean sheet at the minute. So, yeah, absolutely. Are we We're not bottom of the group, so that's a good thing. Peacock Farrell saved two shots this time, which was a good thing. <laughs> so, you know, let's take the positives where we can but yeah it's not great it's not fun 
I'm just glad I could sit in the house and watch this instead of having to hike it over to the winter to do it this time. So yeah, that's that's as glass half foot as I'm gonna to get today, I'm afraid. Yeah, you're gonna be gutted when you hear the next international breaks a double header at Windsor. But um Ben <laughs> Ben, Dave's absolutely right. It's the the quality is the issue. But my, my thing in this, and this is why I'm sort of talking about it quite positively, is that you can't ask for positive attack in football and then gurn when the quality isn't there. You know, we bemoaned it under Barraclough. We accepted that the squad's poor, but we still didn't feel it was the right way of playing. Over these last two games in Slovenia, we create a lot of chances. We get two midfielders basically playing as number 10s in and around the striker. We get wingers who are, who are doing good things, especially Conor McManaman. And... If you're going to essentially play five attackers, you're going to have to account for the fact that you're going to concede more chances, as we do in Slovenia. Tonight, to be fair, we, we actually don't defend that badly. There's nothing really you can do about the goal. It's a pot shot from nowhere. And Shea Charles, you're relying on him, a 19-year-old, to basically cover that entire third of the pitch because the, the midfielders are so high and the defence given the, the lack of pace in it, are so far back. And to be fair, Charles, again, as we'll come on to talk about, we'll give him his own segment plays really well in my opinion but the quality of the squad point means that we're not going to win these games no matter what so we might as well carry a bit of a threat and the word the word pragmatic that we use so much about Barakov doesn't actually mean defensive it means the the quickest route to victory and with the squad Michael O'Neill had in his first spell the pragmatic way, the quickest route to victory was by defending because we had three Premier League defenders playing at the at the same club. There were three of our best players and sitting in, making ourselves hard to beat and playing for set pieces was a pragmatic way to go and win things. That's not going to work because the defenders aren't good enough in this squad. So the actual pragmatic way to play now is to get players around whoever's playing up front, Charles, Washington, McGuinness, to try and win second balls and to score a couple more goals and and hope that the hope that the opposition can be kept out at the other end. It, don't get me wrong. I don't think we're going to qualify for tournaments. Certainly with this squad doing it, but I think this is the best way to play with the players we have available to us. No, it is the best way. There's no there's no doubt about that. Um, you know our defense is falling apart. Our defense is 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 aging in terms of Johnny Evans. Cathcart's not there tonight, but again, is is well past it in my opinion. Um, but so so relying on that and sitting back behind the ball, as you say we did in the in the previous Michael time, um, isn't going to work because they're just we're not we can't rely on it. We're not going to sit behind and, and and manage to to nick a one 0 like we did from a set piece because we're going to concede goals. We, we just simply are uh, with inexperienced midfield. Shea Charles is wonderful, but you know he can't do it all himself. Um, and 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 that defense. So yes, definitely taking the taking the game to teams, especially teams. Um, of this level and of Slovenia's level and stuff, I understand maybe we're playing Denmark that will maybe sit a bit, a bit more behind the ball and deeper. But I, I, like I said the other night, um, we need to we need to be going at teams like this. At the end of the day, we, we ended up losing anyway. We ended up losing both games, but they were more enjoyable to watch. Um, I was really positive the other night. I was pleased. I was entertained. I enjoyed it. I must admit, I didn't enjoy that today. Um, I think we really did lack quality um, going forward. I my 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 criticism perhaps um, of, of the team selection would be if we are we're trying 
We lost 1-0 to Kazakhstan in both these games and the reason we lost 1-0 is we basically couldn't create anything and they took the chance when it came on both occasions um, You know, and, and that little bit of quality was was there. It was a good good goal tonight, a good finish um, and and we, we haven't been able to do that. Now, I really like Washington. I really do. I like his running. I like his pace. I like things that he do. He can do, but has he ever looked like he's really going to put the ball in the net for a striker? Um, um, I would say no, no, he really hasn't, and he's proved that throughout his career. As he is useful and all, but I think we almost need to need to kind of pick if it's Dion Charles is the one that's scoring at club level, stick with him, give him a chance. And at the end of the day, we need we need because we're not creating all that much. We need the the one the chances to go in the net. Now I'm not saying he's perfect and he's going to score every time because that's certainly not the case. But I, I would certainly prefer him to be there than than Washington in terms of taking chances. Maybe not all, all round game. I think Washington offers offers other things. Maybe coming off off the sides. Um, but I, but I feel like we need to be capitalising on the the limited chances that we are making. Um, and and, and therefore maybe I, I would agree with what Dave said in terms of the substitutions and stuff. Uh, sort of surprised me. I didn't think McManaman was as f- effective tonight as he was the other night, um, but I certainly wouldn't have been taking him off at halftime. Obviously, we don't know if there was a knock or something in there, um, but but I would have I would have certainly liked to have, to have seen him coming on, and I would have liked to see him maybe with with um, Paul Smith on the other side with with him. Um, but but also, I thought Matty Kennedy in the first half wasn't involved in the game a lot. But when he was involved, I thought he actually looked decent. I felt I felt like we were too reliant on McManaman. I think it was it was a case of everything was coming down the right, and I think it was a case of the fact that he was so good um, the other night. They were like, "Oh, we'll give the ball to him; he'll do something." And, and it can't it can't be like that. We've got it. We've got to try and spare it. We've got to not be as predictable and, and, and use both sides again. I thought Kennedy did well, but was was not involved in the game even nearly enough. I think there's an element of the Kennedy substitution, which is or the Kennedy start, which is defensive in the sense that, as we'll come on to talk about, Trey Hume's doing that inverting into the midfield thing. So I think, you know, if you lose the ball, you don't, you certainly don't want a 37 year old or 36, 35, whatever he is, Johnny Evans having to go out to left back to then go one on one with one of their wingers. So I think that the idea was maybe that, that Kennedy can get back in because he's played at the back before, but I'm not entirely sure. Sure. The, the, the the shape is the is pretty much the same as it is in Slovenia. Certainly, from an attacking point of view, I wondered when McCann was selected if he would sort of tuck in beside Shea Charles and give him a little bit more help. But he doesn't. He plays like a number ten alongside Saville, and it's not it's not the same because as we'll come on to talk about this Trey Hume position is is I think really interesting. But do you think this shape is 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 the best that we we can do? I think it's more effective than the the three five two. It gets men in and around the striker. We know that the striker, whoever we select, different different forwards are, are better at different things in a Northern Ireland shirt. McGinnis will hold it up a little bit well, uh, a little bit better. Uh, Washington can get in behind. Charles can take a chance if it falls. But the main thing is we need to get men around them. We've seen Northern Ireland strikers be completely ineffectual, whether it's at home or away from home mainly because whatever they're doing, they're having to do completely by themselves. And it was only sort of a peak Lafferty around that 2015, 2016 time. He was able to hold it up and do it completely himself because he was just so powerful at that time. But I like the fact that the two midfielders get in and around the striker. Um, the problem first half for me was that we were just trying to play it through along the ground every time. Second half, we go more direct and we have a little bit more joy. Um, but whatever way we play, I, I, I quite like the shape and, you know, yeah, it, it leaves Charles a bit exposed, but we'll come on to talk about he plays well as well. 
you mentioned it in um, the pod last Thursday, in the pre-game um, pods, that you like the idea of the four-three-three because of that. And, and in truth, I, I agree. I think we did look there was threatening opportunities. I actually thought Smith looked good when he came on. Um, McManaman, I felt was quite predictable tonight. He kept constantly cutting inside every time he got the ball, and I, I don't really, I can't remember many good crosses that he had in the match. Um, and it seems to be in the first half, especially, we were just going to him all the time. It was McNair to Charles, Charles to McManaman, McManaman to a ball that's been picked up by the Kazakhstani defence. Um, I thought overall tonight, I thought we did look quite predictable. The problem again, they've alluded to at the start, it was just our final pass. So Andy, to the point, I think that the idea of playing 4-3-3, I prefer that than the 3-5-2. Um, I, I definitely do. I think ultimately, though, it doesn't really matter what formation we are going to play. If our final ball in is as predictable or as flat or as long or as short as it was tonight, um, and you're not getting someone on the end of it. And that, that's that's the major problem. Every single final ball, and there was, there was times in the first half too that it was just like even Shay Charles, who I thought was excellent in terms of you know, our players, I think he was really, really good tonight. He was coming deep. He was breaking the game line. He was getting past players. His final ball wasn't good. Ali McCann turned on the ball, I think it was in the 24th or 25th minute, was about to have a shot, delayed. McMenamin again, Paul Smith, even some of the balls he got in, there was just no one on the end of them. Now, you could argue, is that a good pass but bad positioning by the striker or is it just a bad pass? But I definitely think it gives us a few more options. And actually, you know, you've got Gavin White to come in. You have a few other players that can come back in to give us a bit more of that natural width. But um, formation-wise, I think that is something that Michael, he talked about it after the Slovenia game, that they changed the system after the first four matches. Um, But I think whatever we're doing moving forward, the Kazakhstan goal was 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 a brilliant individual goal. Ball came, edge of the box, two touch, bang, in the back of the net. Phenomenal. Out of 17 shots, we had only four on target. And in the entire six matches that we've played so far, we've had 70 shots, 21 on target, and only four goals. Kazakhstan, 25 shots and nine goals. It's absolutely crazy. Like, what the hell are they doing? Um, unless we're coming against, you know, we just hope we can come up against keepers like Billy Peacock Farrell, who seemingly don't like shots at them in any, any, uh, in the box or out of the box. But yeah, no, it is a massive blow that Billy Peacock Farrell has just decided to stop saving shots. But um, there's nothing really you could have done about that one tonight, Dave. The positioning of Try Hume is really interesting I think he is playing and let me just make this very clear I'm not comparing the quality I'm comparing the style of how they're playing like a Trent Alexander-Arnold or Zinchenko or a Stones does it for Man City and Hume does it tonight and I think it's quite intelligent for Michael because he understood that whether it was coming backwards Shea Charles was exposed against Slovenia or even when it was uh, playing the ball into him you know all you need to do is put a man or two on him as Kazakhstan did tonight and you can sort of snuff out Shea Charles and then the ball from, from defence to to the, the four midfielders is is really difficult and it becomes longer. So he identifies that and he puts Hume in there. And I'd, uh, whether it's Hume long-term when everyone's when everyone's fit to do that job, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. 
We know that from pre-season as Liverpool supporters, Connor Bradley played there in that position when Alexander-Arnold wasn't playing. So maybe that's something he looked to do. But yeah, I don't know. What did you think of it? Do you think it's something that, 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 that we could see in the future? Do you think we have the players for it? Do you think Trey Hume did it well tonight? Hume did relatively well. Um, it's 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 in vogue, isn't it? This this inverted fullback position. So I don't know. For me, I think probably the most capable player in the squad to go and do that position is probably McNair. Um, that that would be my thoughts on it. Not a fan of Hume's mustache either. So. You know, could probably could probably do without that. Um, yeah, look, I think that I think the system conversation is an interesting one, but at this point in time, I'm not sure where we go because it seems a little bit like throw one at a wall and see what sticks over these last number of games. So, yeah, I, I feel like we're we're moving away from probably previously only would have had two, three formations, two, three systems that he would use over the course of a campaign. It seems like this isn't working, try something else. Maybe there's a case of already throwing the baby out of the bathwater at times. I'm not entirely sure. I think the interesting thing on that um, systemic change is it looks like teams are letting us have the ball a little bit more. And like, why wouldn't you? Because we can't stick it in the net. So, um, and if you look at the sorts of goals that we're conceding, it's exploiting space that we leave on transitions and turnovers of possession. Um, so ultimately that should give you an extra body in the middle of the park, but I still just, I just still don't think we're, I don't think we're, we used to be horrible to play against. We used to be a really horrible team to play against. We used to get in and around, boys. We used to have the likes of Corey Evans running around just kicking people, which is fine. I've got no problem with that. But there seems to be a loss of just that energy and that aggression, if you want. We're too nice, Dave, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, that, that's that's another way of putting it. We are, we are a bit too nice, but I, I just think out of possession... We could probably be better. We could probably be more assertive. Um, you're giving yourself an option there to get an extra body in the middle of the park. So if you can couple that with just a bit more energy in there, um, then maybe that is something we can look to do going forward. But it's not going to solve all of our problems. Let's just be really clear about that. It's an interesting tactical tweak, but it's it's not going to fix the issues that we've got here. Andy, do you not think that would be better, that position, like if you had a, a fit Connor Bradley or a inform Jamel Lewis, because I, I I agree with you. I like the fact I think Trim um, Hume despite the fourth what, goal. What the hell is an inform Jamal Lewis? I think when he under twenty ones Norwich uh, about ten years ago. <laughs> Unreal. I've got the videos. I send them to you. <laughs> but say, say there was such a thing. Maybe um, it's a better way of putting it. Um, but because Trey Hume, I actually think is a decent defender. You know, he actually can defend. He's he good on tackle. Well tonight, despite... I think. Yeah. Yeah, he does defend well, and he switched off against Slovenia. I think um, Trey Hume, though, it, it's 
we have to remember just over two years ago, he was doing part-time training with Balamina United. So it was a big transition into that. But I think if you, to your point, I, I, I like the idea, if you had a Connor Bradley on that, if, say on the right-hand side, it could be quite effective because he does offer like the quality of pass, but he's also up and down. Well, as, as I mentioned, you know, he does, he does that for Liverpool in pre-season and I was sort of making the point when I was, I was seeing him doing that for Liverpool that actually if you want to if you want to play Conor Bradley to get the best out of Conor Bradley, you don't want him doing that. You want him getting down the wing and providing width. But, you know, <laughs> he's probably one of our better footballers. I mean, he is one of our better footballers. So you need a good footballer to do that role. You need someone who can find a pass and possibly McNair can do it. But I think I'd rather McNair coming in from, from left back to do it, if that makes sense, rather than right back. Ideally, you want them on the wrong foot if you're doing that. So we'll see. We'll see if it's just something that we did tonight or, you know, a lot of teams won't set up how Kazakhstan do tonight. They're very, very 5-4-1. And I actually think, you know, I, I did think the McMenamin substitution was harsh, but I think one of the reasons they did it is that he was trying to cut inside every time. And that's what they wanted him to do because it made the pitch smaller when both when both wingers were trying to do that. Whereas Paul Smith, you can, you can say what you like about his delivery and, there's certainly one that he absolutely slashes at that's really poor, but I kind of like the just hammer it along the ground. Um, I think that sort of caused him problems, and they were lucky to defend a couple of them. But I like the I like the width he provided. And Ben, I want to talk to you because second half we do go more direct. Um, there's negative connotations with the word direct, but I don't mind it if you can get men in and around the player who you're going direct to. So if you're going long to McGuinness and we're playing a 4-3-3, and the wingers are basically playing like fullbacks being so defensive, he's not going to be able to do anything with it. But if you're going direct to McGuinness, and whether it's Saville, Price, Thompson, whoever it is in behind is getting in and around for the second balls, and the wingers are in and around, then I don't mind it as much. And that was a change that we needed to make because we it just wasn't sticking, and it's not sticking because the quality isn't there. Ali McCann wasn't making it stink. Saville wasn't making it stick. Um, you know, who 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 was playing um in the midfield with with Saville up as the second number ten? No, she Charles was, was the number six. I forget who started the game. It wasn't Price. It was um. Matty at, Kennedy did it at a stage. Yeah, the, yeah. There, there's a midfielder. Men. There's a midfielder. I'm completely forgetting. But yeah, I don't mind the more direct approaches. But as long as we get men up, so it's it's good that we've got a couple of different things in our locker. Even though, as I say, the quality wasn't there tonight to actually make it that effective. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, a, a good manager, one of the criticisms of the previous manager was it was, this is the way we're doing it and we're doing it this way at all times, no matter what. And a good manager will be adaptable and, and will be able to will be able to try different things. You know, the good thing is there's a time and a place for direct football. Any t- you know, the best teams in the um, in the world do do play a long ball at times because it is effective. It can take out a, a defence, you know, or bypass a midfield that that is that is rigid and that is is um you know in a low block or whatever. But um, I, I I think I think the fact that it depends. We need to use it right at the right time. We need to use it again if you're going to go long and you're going to go long to Washington by himself pointless forget about it but if you've got somebody like a Josh who can hold the ball up at, at times um then, then it can be effective there, there's no there's no doubt about it I don't have a major problem with it as long as as you say we are able to get people in and around otherwise it, it, it is pointless you're going to just lose possession and it's going to be back down the other end but to be honest we don't have the players to play 
one way and to be able to try and keep the ball as you said earlier or somebody said uh, we were trying to pass the ball through them on the ground at all times and, and it wasn't working um, so you need to be able to change it up you need to not be predictable at, at any level of football um, so no I, I don't have a problem with it if, if used at the right times not used all the time and used with the right personnel yeah that's all fair Shay Charles shirt is brilliant again I think I tweeted at the time that it shows how respected he is when the teams are looking at our video and looking at the analysis that they basically put three or four men on him to make sure we couldn't play that that pass into him. And as I say, he well, um, whether it says a lot about the quality of the player or whether it just says a lot about the system and that he is our only link, it, I'm not sure which one that is. But there's times tonight where we give him the ball and he looks like he's in trouble and he just does something, uses his strength, <laughs> turns out of it, finds a pass, finds a little flick around the corner. I mean, he's phenomenal. And, he's, and he is playing in the hardest position in that team. By far the hardest position in that system and that team's night Shea Charles is playing in. And for the second game in a row, he absolutely excels. And he gets his move to Southampton this summer, but been on the bench a couple of games, hasn't started a couple of games. And even though we now see him as a senior first team player, he's still got less than 10 senior first team games under his belt. And he's so impressive. And I'm just like, I worry that like he really regrets choosing us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, listen, he's locked in, so he can regret all he likes. No, I, I would agree with you. I made some notes down. He's strong, quick, robust, classy, skillful, good vision. He's a wonderful player. And it's really enough exciting. Enough about Ben Harshaw. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um. Uh, John O'Neill said on the the commentary, uh, I think on the Slovenia game on the on the radio, he's like in his time, all of them in the team, he hasn't seen anyone like a player like that at all. He sort of mentioned Danny Blanchflower, that type of individual. But what I like about him is that he he will come deep, he'll pick the ball up. But as you say, there was a number of times he he turned, spun, you know, wriggled his way out of out of issues. But he looks so strong now. But like when Conor Bradley had that season on loan at Bolton, he, he's beefing up. I think he can be a real athletic player for us. And, you know, with Davo now approaching the end of his career with us, unless, you know, unless in fact he has had the end of his career with us, he's, he's a great person to, to pick up the mantle there. A bit like who's Daniel Ballard at the back, you know, picking up from Johnny Evans. And that is exciting. I thought even with Ali McCann, they are both very skillful players. You know, they're very good with the ball at their feet. Um, they have a lot to learn. You know, that's the reality of it. So there's a naivety and a rawness to them. You throw in Trey Hume as well, we talked about. Um, but he is exciting. Um, and he was, the good things that we did do tonight came through him. You know, even the, the chance for Connor Washington was Shea, um, Shea following up, getting the ball back into the box. And that that is exciting. But just on the that, I enjoyed I, David, David Healy's, or I enjoyed Stephen Cregan's point of we need a centre forward to follow that in like David would have. Well, it was the centre forward who had the shot, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think he thinks of things and then it's just like, well, I'll just sneeze this out and see if it, if it, if it works. The one thing I, I don't think he thinks at all. All huh? oh, right, well, there you go. Um, I, I'm lucky I've not been. Um, uh, inflicted with his commentary now for the while. I've got uh, a single guy in a, in a in a in a room somewhere in New York, which was which is probably worse. But the um, the Don't thing about put the yourself team, down uh, like that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Um, um, the the thing I've noticed more than anything though tonight 
the team is absolutely breath of confidence. And that's my typical view. I think in the last 35 internationals, we've lost 21. And there was a stat that uh, Marshall Gillespie, you know, the guru of all sort of Irish football knowledge, put out. And he said, um, Northern Ireland have only come from 1-0 down at half time to come back and win four times out of 82 internationals. 82 times we've been 1-0 down at half time and only won four. So that didn't really set up a huge degree of confidence. But for me, but I do think that's a major problem. This team hasn't, it's not used to winning. We're just not. We've had three really bad Nations League campaigns in a row, a bad World Cup campaign, and now a bad Euros campaign. We're fat four, five bad campaigns, but we're not winning. The confidence isn't there. We're not scoring the goals. Um, I think that's going to, I mean, for me, I, I I think you see that on the players. Dave mentioned that Johnny Evans at the start, right at the end, he did a misplaced pass and he put his hands to his head. And I think that sort of summed everything up. Dave, the... See on uh, see on, on Sage. Sorry. Go, go on, go on. No, I was just going to say on Shea Charles, just just quickly. Um, one of the th- one of the signs of a really good player is will- willingness to take the ball. And you know, every time he's taken the ball in this in particularly in this team, he's under pressure. And particularly now that he has been he's been willing to take that ball at any time and to try and make something happen, it was never take the ball, give the simple thing. You know, he's willing to try and travel with the ball. And even when, quite frankly, some of the players weren't on his wavelength, um, in terms of there was one time in the first half, I think it was, um, where he actually takes the ball under pressure, he turns, he runs on straight through. Um, and then there was just basically no yeah. movement ahead of him. But it's the willingness to continue to do that over and over and over again, and and, and to be be an option. And it's something that's got is is it, it reminds me of Davis in a way because Davis was always willing to take a ball under any pressure. Um, you know, and, and, and to have that in someone so young is an is an asset. I think he'll captain Northern Ireland. Um, you know, I I, I, We're I think we've got to build around him. We've got to build yeah, the team around you can't, him. You can't you can't state enough how important he is and how lucky we are that he's come along. We found him. Um, because. He's really going to be key to any success on on whatever level that success is. Um, you know, he, he's fantastic. He's you know, I was he, he's a to me he's a better player than the Norwood will ever be. But he's almost the first player that's come along um, that's going to be able to replace him. Uh, you know, in, in in terms of thinking, seeing the game, um, being able to being able to find a pass as well. He is a great player, and I'm not sure who's. Um... I'm not sure what's worse, the quality of Northern Ireland squad or the quality of Shea Charles' advisors who didn't get him out of there before he got four caps. But, um, Dave, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight unless I have a massive rant about this referee. So you're going to do this with me. Now, first of all, we're not blaming him for the results. The result wouldn't change with a good referee. I don't even think he's particularly biased. There's one Jordan Thompson does the most obvious body check you'll ever see. <laughs> he doesn't give it. So this is on both sides, but particularly towards the end. I was really, really struggling with him and really, really getting frustrated with him. You know, he, he points to his watch when the player goes down at the start of added time. I think he's down for a couple of minutes. And then there's two other instances where Kazakhstan players down for a length of time. And he only plays, I think, 97 minutes, 45. So when he plays less than two minutes over the allotted stoppage time, he was given everything. There were sometimes he gave fouls, and I literally couldn't even. Not that I thought the challenge wasn't a foul, I couldn't even see where the challenge had come from. And unfortunately, 
when you're you for selecting the list of referees to do certain games, Kazakhstan versus Northern Ireland is going to be quite far down the list, and we're not going to get the best referees. And I think it really, really shows tonight. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. <laughs> to be honest, I was quite happy for him to blow up earlier than he should have just to put me out of my misery. Um, <clears throat> look, yeah, right, rant about the referee. That's fine. I think that's something else that you have to factor in whenever you are trying to plot your way through a campaign. And the best teams and the smartest teams will know the referees they're getting. They'll know what the referees' tendencies are. They'll know how likely are they to give a free kick, a yellow card, a red card for X, Y, or Z sort of challenge. They'll know what they'll be able to get away with, what they won't be able to get away with. Because, yes, look, as we all know, there is a serious lack of consistency across the refereeing panel, even in the Premier League. And you find that referees from different countries and different leagues referee in different manners. There are different aspects of the game that are focused on or or adhered to more so or less so from one league to the next. So, you know, again, we'll probably come on to talk to it. But, you know, is there a lack of is there a lack of detail in there from ourselves? Um do we do enough behind the scenes in order to prepare the squad and give these guys the best chance? of going and performing and delivering results and qualifying for a tournament? I don't know the answer to that. But the sounds of things, the answer is no. Um, if if what Healy says is anything to go by. So, yeah, look, I think there's there's always going to be that element of, of referee decisions going for against you. Let's be honest, look, generally referees' decisions go for the bigger sides more so than the smaller sides, historically speaking. And the majority of the time, we are going to pee the smaller side, so we are not going to get the rub of the green. So that's something we're just going to have to cop for. And you have to manage your way around that. So yeah, I get the frustration. There were some daft free kicks that he was given towards the end of the game. Kazakhstan players buying time, time wasting. You could see with that when men to them at the end of the game. So they were doing everything that they could to get themselves over the line. And fair play to them. Um, but yeah, we, we need to do more all, all over from top to bottom, head to tail, um, right across right across um, Northern Ireland football. And I think the domestic league is now getting to a point where you are starting to get more and more full-time footballers. We've seen these guys starting to make their way into the squad. That should be a decent jumping-off point, and there should be some sort of joined-up thinking there from IFA to the international team under-21s and right down, to, right down to grassroots level. And that includes the Irish Premiership. So... You know, if we're going to do sensible things, let's do sensible things. But it sounds like we don't. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where to go from here, mate. No, all fair. Um, last but not least, we're going to do a little bit on the, the IFA comments. Ben, I'm going to let you go first because I know Stuart has, uh, has just finished dotting the I's and crossing the T's on his 167th letter to the IFA this month. So Ben, basically, what what Healy's saying, um, and Stuart, by the way, when Ben finishes, just come straight in after him, okay, and add add whatever you think. What Healy's saying is basically there was a massive financial windfall from the Euros, and he feels that it it's not been spent correctly or wisely. Um, he feels that the IFA is an old boys club; it's jobs for the boys. 
And it's unacceptable, essentially, that the training facilities are, you know, we're still training. I think it was Queens under Barraclough and Stormont under under Michael O'Neill. The training facilities aren't up to scratch. And that's essentially why we haven't produced the players to come through and take the mantle off the Evanses, the Davises, um, the Brunts, the McCauleys, the players like that. I fully agree with them. I don't know about you. No, I do. I do agree with him. Um, I don't. I don't think you can't agree with him. Um, personally, I don't see how you how you could disagree. Um, you know, how long have we been talking about putting in place a, a training facility? A, you know, a centre of excellence, a proper proper academy where these players. Obviously, we do have club NI system, which is it is having success. There are more players going across the water, um, particularly you know from Irish league clubs and from academies and stuff. Things are improving. In terms of that, but the facilities do not have a proper training ground um, for for the international setup on at both at both male and female is is not acceptable in 2023. Um, you know, there, there's no doubt. You know, to me, to me now, the the jobs and things like that, we should be attracting candidates from from all over the place. Um, coaching wise, you know, it, does it have to be? Uh, do you have to have a history of playing in the Irish League? I'm not going to name names because I have no personal agenda against anyone who has has the jobs or anything like that. But I, I feel like at, at this day and age, you know, when, when you actually look at some of the IFA's coaching courses and stuff, some of the names that are coming over to do the coaching courses to, to, to do to do their uh, B levels, their 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 UFA um, licenses, then you know, they, they're all looking jobs somewhere. Um, and, and you don't have to have played. You don't have, you know, for the country. You don't have to have. I, I personally prefer the the manager of the of the national side to have, to be from Northern Ireland. However, um, development wise, you see countries all over the world that are that are attracting people from different countries and are and are they're benefiting. But at the but at the end of the day, when you are we that attractive when you've no you've no training facilities? Um, you know, I think you're talking there about attracting a manager. It doesn't need to be a manager. It it can be attracting somebody who understands how to instill that infrastructure. Do you know what I mean? Someone, technical directors and yeah, someone, yeah, yeah, some sort of role like that. Yeah, well, no, got, you're absolutely right. There's coaches. You look at countries that are not even that. I mean. They're bigger than us, but you're not talking about, I'm not talking about Germany or Spain or, a, you know, England or whatever. But there's countries like Belgium, Serbia, Croatia, Portugal, Slovenia. These countries are all under 10 million people and they are producing players that are playing at a level that our players are nowhere near right now. And they, is it, I think Spain have got one of the highest level, of, you know, volume, sorry, of UEFA A and pro licensed coaches that are employed in full-time jobs. I would love to know in Northern Irish football, from the Irish League to the Irish FA, how many jobs are, are, are there? How many jobs are being created? And what has been the legacy from Euro 20, uh, 2016? Where has that money actually gone? What have we invested in? The IFA seem to be waiting and waiting and waiting for this money to come from Stormont. It's not fucking coming. Wake up. It's not going to happen. So what's their, what's their plan B? What, what corporate or commercial organizations are they going out and trying to partner with? To then maybe go to the government and say, hey, we've been able to secure 60, 70% of the funding. We need top-ups. We need sort of, there must be other um, uh, funds and schemes that we can avail of. Go to FIFA and say, look, this is what we've done. You just don't hear or see anything. It just seems to be waiting for this ring fence money, which isn't going to happen. 
it's continual mismanagement. It's almost like the NHS in, in many ways. Um, you know, it's just continually misusing whatever funds are there. Whether the funds are correct or whether we're going to get them from Stormont or not is one one thing. We can't do we can't do things with the money that we don't have, but we can use the money that we do have better. Um, you know, could we be going to get somebody like? Do, do you remember twenty sixteen when Iceland were taking the world by storm at the Euros and you know knocking out England and stuff? Um. You know, the, the the talk was that there was there was a history behind that. The the the, the amount of football facilities in that country yeah. per population was something that was one of the biggest going. Breaking up, um, a wee bit they, there. Breaking up a wee bit there, Ben. Just go back to your last sentence. They had for the ten years pre pre to that infrastructure in, in place, and 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 to reap the success that they then did. So could we be? Sorry, right. I'm just saying, could we be using somebody who go, going to get somebody who set up Iceland as a football nation, who put all the infrastructure in place, almost like as Dave was saying there, go go and headhunt somebody and say we want to improve everything from grassroots level within this country to then see success. I understand that that won't come overnight. We all want success overnight, but we are also realistic. So get somebody that's tried and tested and done it before. Don't give the job to the same people going round and round and round. Get somebody that's done it doesn't have to be within Northern Ireland that has proven success on building building a football nation almost from, from nothing basically um and, and and can can try and turn turn some success out of this but it's the same I mean it's it's the same mismanagement that has been going on for as long as we know really Patrick, Patrick Nelson doesn't do interviews sorry Ben's on there I'm, I'm, I know this is on a larger scale and people might say this is a silly comparison but You've seen it time and time again when there is proper planning um, like France did with Houllier um, when they put together that academy. I can't remember what it's called now. They ended up winning back-to-back World Cup and Euros. You saw the same with Germany. Um, If you've ever looked at uh, Raphael Honigstein's book, Dust Reboot, they basically rip up Everything and start again from the grassroots up. Spain, look at England. Spain do it in three and win consecutive, three consecutive um, international tournaments. So, you know, it's not fucking rocket science, right? Do you know what I mean? You plan, you prepare, you allocate funds correctly, and ultimately, if you put all of the infrastructure and all of the standards and behaviours in place, you should get success on the back of it. If you don't. you're literally hoping. That's what we're doing. But, yeah, but, we're, we're, but to the point that you said, Andy, at the start, the accountability, Patrick Nelson has been in charge of the IFA now for about 15 years. When does he do, when does he do interviews? When does he actually, where are these points actually addressed? Where is he um, going to some of the, the, the journalists and like, hey, like we're going to have some transparency. Let's, let's have some scrutiny. Of, of what we're doing and what we're not doing. But sure, that, that, this is a this is a societal thing. It's not to get too deep or too political, but it's it's what you're describing. There is the exact same as a Conservative Party. It's people who have grown up and in, inherited these jobs without being up to the standard, without being properly, uh, without having the proper qualifications for it or the requisite yeah. experience. It's jobs for the boys. And what happens when it's jobs for the boys is the boys know that they're not capable of the job, so they avoid scrutiny and they avoid accountability at at, at every level. It's it's. 
it, it, it's a problem within the IFA, but it's it's the IFA is a is a subset of 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 British yeah. and, and English, uh, you know, British Irish, whatever Northern Irish society. It's 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 a it's a malaise across organisations. They, but they, I mean, that is the problem. Like, there is no. There's so I mean, there's good people in there, and Ben mentioned that before. There's some good coaches, and there's some great things happening in the Irish league at the minute, and it's and it's really exciting. But you get say outside investment in terms of Kenny Bruce for Lauren, and he's ridiculed for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like there's no win, and it's it's just very very disheartening. I'm really glad David Healy, you know, who works every single day in Windsor Park. I'm really glad, and, and he's a guy who, as a player, as a coach. You know, now as a, as a manager who, who sees the mismanagement every single day. And it's brilliant that he's actually spoke up about it. I just hope it gets the traction that it requires. And I hope it's not just, you know, dismissed or ignored. Um, because there's, we've got someone in Michael O'Neill I think is fantastic. And I'm, I'm very, very excited about him. But again, now you mention it, like, you know, you've Gareth McCauley, under 19 coach, you have, Tommy Wright, under-21 coach. You have Aaron Hughes, head of the, the, the technical stuff at the IFA. You, we, we all like them, but are they the best qualified people for those jobs? Um, and then there's the ones beyond that. But as you say, it's, it's, it's a far broader qu- question. But the, to me, the lack, of, um, the lack of players coming through, I don't understand how we cannot produce a striker. Like someone. It's just, it, it, it just, it's mind-blowing. Um, and these other countries like Slovenia the other night uh, did so ruthlessly against us. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to get worse before it gets better. Unfortunately, there's a point there that we might have a striker. You know, we might have Callum Marshall, we might have Deal Taylor, we might have Shane Lavery. These boys might be able to go and do a job. But ultimately, you've got to make the proposition of showing up to play for Northern Ireland attractive. You know, and Michael's talked about you know identifying players that he can't bring into the squad through lineage, etc. But you've got to make the proposition attractive. And that comes down to facilities, how these guys are going to get treated when they're when they're over here. You know, you can get back to like the old Roy Keane storming out of the Republic, Republic um, World Cup campaign because the standards being set for that team by the institution was just not good enough. And it kind of feels a little bit like that for me. Yeah, I think if you don't have, we don't have the advantage of some of the other countries. I don't know, not to get into this now, but I, we don't have necessarily the national identity sort of pull that other countries may have. You know, that uniqueness, we just don't. From the And do you know what doesn't help with that, Stuart? <laughs> we'll not do it now. It's what it's what Wales and Scotland have. It's a song that everyone, it's a song that everyone can get up and sing, no matter what background you, you, you're from at the start. Well, we just don't have it. So straight away, even if you've got some... My Twitter, you know, by the way, is at DavidDunning81 if you want to send me any abuse for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but to, to Dave, to your point, Dave, what's going to attract people about international football? The, the opportunity of playing the major finals, the actual, you know, the opportunity playing for your country or your parents' country or your grandparents' country, but if you can link them with something like that, and then facilities and development. And right now, I don't know what we're offering. Because we can't offer any of those three things at the moment. Time away yeah. from the wife and kids is what we're offering. I would take it like myself, but you know, not everybody likes that. <laughs> yeah, don't send me any abuse for that that anthem shout. I can't be arsed replying to you. Um yeah, that was good. Discussion. On a on a on a lighter note, on a 
on a lighter note there, Andy, just just my just to give you my uh, moment of the match. Speaking of the anthem, uh, was just before kickoff the anthem the anthem going and George Savile. Unfortunately, I've got some awful news for you, but he was absolutely blasting out the anthem and singing "Send Her Victorious." But it's some <laughs> awful news, George. But you died a year ago. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that discussion. Nice one. Um, I like it when I don't speak much. And yeah, fair Me play. Too. What? Me too. <laughs> so, 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 the so the sobering point to this is we are now with Cyprus, Gibraltar, Malta, Latvia, San Marino, um, and Iceland, um, all who've lost four or more matches in this uh, campaign. So that's 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 great company. Yeah. Do you know what we need? We need we need the nation Europa Nations League. Or uh, sorry, the Europa Conference League version of of the Euros, <laughs> you know, a, a second rate competition to come along um, for countries like us. To be honest, I would love it. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Well, we're going to be in group. We're going to be in Nations League Group C or D pretty bloody quickly. So um, if we don't start taking that seriously, so yeah. Yeah, looking forward to that. So yeah, yeah, four more four more Euros games. All right, we need to wrap this up soon. I'm going to do some uh, do some comments. Um, first of all, there's this fella. Um, on Twitter, he keeps mentioning how we talk about how much we talk about Barraclough. Um, he's called Pots Pods. I don't think that's what he was christened. Um, but he's said, fan, I think. I say, yeah. Uh, um, remember you were screaming about the Barraclough thing for years. It's 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 better than it was against Barraclough. This is this idea that um, oh no, he does a podcast. Maybe that's why we're rent free in his head. He, he yeah. It's better than it was against than it was under Barraclough. It's um, there's more of a plan. There's uh, there's yeah. It just just we knew that we didn't have the quality. We knew there were problems with the IFA. That does not excuse Ian Barraclough's tenure as Northern Ireland manager. Um, so instead of like yeah, I feel like of, Michael. I feel like Michael can get the Michael can get the most out of these players. Uh, which it, which I don't feel was happening under Barclough. I think what he has to work with is extremely limited, but I feel like he has a plan. We look like we're trying to do something, whereas it, it was just disjointed. Um, so for me, it definitely is is better and is more positive. The bottom line is Ian Barclough had the worst statistical record of any Northern Ireland manager. It really is as simple as that. So if you want to discuss Barclough any further, I personally, I don't. But me neither. literally look down the league table of all of the Northern Ireland managers' historical statistics, and he will be at the bottom. Closed. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so go and have a pint or something, pots, pods, and stop getting really aggy on the internet, please. Um, thank you very much to Ben, to Stuart, and to Dave. That has been your post-Kazakhstan. We'll You're do San Marino. No. What? You're not doing comments there, no? No, you've waffled on for too long, three of you, sorry. Um, yeah, so we'll be back after San Marino Slovenia is the next international break. Let's hope for something more positive. Thank you very much. Jordan Thompson's corner before we go. No, <laughs> what about Jordan Jones's performance about your raging those crosses? Oh, uh, I laughed, I just laughed. I was like, it's, this is this is a this is a new low for me. Both Jordan <laughs> on the pitch at the same time. Lose there, the there was one <laughs> moment where they tried to link up and they completely broke up an attack between them. And I just I could just imagine what your face was like at the time. Drive me insane. Oh. Anyway, the rugby's on. <laughs> I'm switching yeah. sports. For, Thank you very much. I think, yeah. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time. Bye bye.